0: Welcome to uh, the Rock and Roll Ghost podcast. This week we have musician Randy Schrager, uh, who's the drummer in Jesse Malin's band. Uh, They're celebrating the the new album, Sad and Beautiful World. Do I have that right? That's it. (laughs) Okay. For some reason, as I was saying it, I thought I had it wrong. Um, (laughs) They've been able to go on tour a little bit. They were just in uh, the UK and Europe. Uh, and, um, so basically let's start, start out with how you doing today. And, uh, Randy and you're in New York, right?
1: I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm in New York. Uh, I've been back home now for about two weeks. I think, uh, yeah. I'm finally getting back on the clock. Yeah. Back, yeah. back Eastern standard time. Clock. Yeah.
0: How, how was it to finally get back, uh, out on, on the road in a serious manner after almost two years
1: off? I mean, it was fantastic. Uh, and especially to do it in the UK and Europe uh, uh, to, you know to leave the United States and you know <clears throat> fly overseas and play uh, especially they're, they're, they're not experiencing too many American uh, artists and bands coming through just yet I mean it's just starting to happen so yeah it was super exciting to, to be able to go out and play and travel, uh, yeah. and especially even sweeter to do it over there, you know. Gotcha. Uh, you know, see some different things rather than, uh, you know, your typical United States tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're where top, top, where so.
0: every town has the same crap. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, you you cool. guys do pretty, sorry? It was incredible. It was a good time. Really. Yeah. You guys do really well uh, over there. You're received probably. I mean, I know you know you. Jesse has a pretty good following here, but I think it seems like his appeal is even stronger overseas. Uh, is that what you kind of find? Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, I do. Um, there's, uh, I mean, I guess you're right. I mean, there, there's a fan base over there that's different from over here, and um, he does really well over there, and in certain cities over there even better than you know as the whole but i mean i guess that's every artist they have their their pockets and their um areas of the world where they're super popular you know um and 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 where they're not as much and yeah it's more fun to play uh <laughs> more fun to play for for the most uh people i guess uh if you can and uh yeah he does he does really good there there's some big shows over there, so a yeah, a lot of fun to play. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, he's built—he's been building a base now for a while. I and, and um, you know, the, his his solo career has been so different than what he did previously from uh the punk days or the degeneration days. So it's it's been really interesting, you know. And that, uh, it's been really interesting to see, you know, how how everything has kind of gone for him, where it seems like he just keeps getting more and more recognition and you you've been with the band for
1: how long now i've been I've been playing with Jesse for quite a while um I guess in this current um stretch I, I started to play with Jesse again after some time off uh, in 2013 okay so um yeah so what is that now eight 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 years. years. And then yeah. before that, I made a record with Jesse, um, before, you know, the very first record I made with Jesse, um, I didn't really tour it all that much, but we played some gigs and, you know, we played the music out a little bit before I, I had to, you know, leave to cause committed to another project at the time. Um, but yeah, so this stretch now is about eight, eight years. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, People come in and out, but I've been there for eight.
0: Yeah, well, it seems like the um, except for the bass player, or the bass position, uh, you, uh, Randy, not you, Randy, um, uh, uh, Rob, and uh, Derek have been in it pretty long together.
1: Yeah, we have uh, Derek and I, especially. I mean, Derek was there when I came in 2013. Yeah, and he was more of like the auxiliary, uh, you know, member of the group, covering a lot of productiony stuff, you know, keys and percussion and whatnot. And he plays everything, uh, and he's now, you know, playing lead guitar or guitar, I guess lead, you can say. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, at least on stage, um, but um, yeah, and Rob, Rob, on keys. Was playing with jesse super early on right yeah he's kind of come in and out yeah and kind of has been back uh with this current lineup now for a little while and you know we've made the last few records together at least yeah last last two i think
0: Uh, okay yeah 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 no it it rob i remember from years ago too uh you know different incarnations and you know there's been uh god there's been so many different people and uh you know it's but it's good to see like a, a pretty cohesive lineup for the last couple and now you got James uh Cruz on base uh who seems to be doing really well
1: uh yeah. he seems to have gelled pretty well with the band yeah yeah we like James i love playing with James uh and he's on this record as well as Katherine she's on the the newest record too because it's it was made you know over a period of time right but uh yeah all the live stuff has been with James on stage right
0: yeah Catherine was in the band until the pan pretty much the pandemic right or was she was she on that uk tour when you guys had to come back
1: actually yes she she made uh the previous record with jesse sunset kids but uh she she started um trickling out um kind of kind of leaving she played some some of the gigs when the record was out but then uh she uh she moved over to more just staying at home in New York
0: working Gotcha Yeah For some reason I thought she she had the I know that she had the she has like um uh, I, I personally thought that she left when the pandemic hit for personal um health reasons but I, I guess what you're saying that Yeah it was that, a little bit,
1: it was a little bit before that cuz cuz the last tour we did right before the pandemic was in the UK and James James was on base yeah okay so uh yeah he came in right as sunset kids was kind of getting getting going and we gotcha. were yeah um
0: how 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 do you find i mean what what is the um what is the feeling like on tour what is, you know do you guys all kind of hang out together do you do you Go you're kinda of like spread out when
1: you're not we no Yeah, we have no choice. We're in that van to together yeah. from, uh, from uh, you know from right after checkout in the hotel until we get to the next hotel at night. Um uh, yeah, you know, of course we hang out. We're uh, but we're it being, you know, the type of tour uh being a van tour and we do have a lot of nights on uh on your typical Jesse Mallon tour, you know, we don't take a lot of days uh, to just go sightseeing and chill. Right. But yeah, we do. Uh, we grab meals, and you know we're in the van. If we're not on our headphones, you know maybe I, I would say before the coffee kicks in, we we have our headphones on, and then uh, as we're waking up a little more, we we all start to talk. There's a magazine around. There's always conversation. There's uh, listening to music, listening to a podcast or an interview or some radio show, or just bullshitting you know we're yeah yeah we're there we're, we're pretty tight on the road but it's important to to take space and uh go for a walk sometimes yeah, yeah yeah
0: like get to the theater you have a little bit of time you just walk do a do a couple of block walk i would imagine just see what's oh, going on yeah that's important uh-huh. for me.
1: yeah that's important <laughs>
0: Is it difficult to go to all these cities across the world and not really have time to be a tourist? Is
1: Do you wish, like, you just, God, I wish I had one day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you really got to stuff a lot of things in uh, in in the short period of time that you might have free that day. And if you get lucky that you have a day off in, in such and such a place, then, uh, I mean, I like to look ahead and see where I'm going to be. <clears throat> I'll open up TripAdvisor and I'll look at the top things or, you know, stuff I might know about already or museum I might want to go see. Or maybe sometimes you just want to sit in your room and read a book and chill, you know? Yeah. Sometimes it all <laughs> depends. But yeah, especially in Europe where uh, you're traveling through. I mean, we, we were in Paris for less than 24 hours, you know? Right. I would like to have had a little more time uh, over there and, and in other places too. But, uh, It is what it is, you know, we're there, we're there to play first and foremost, so everything else is just a little extra. It's a bonus, I guess. Yeah.
0: Is there anything that you've been able to, that you have been able to see that, that, um, really made you happy that you were able to do it while you had the time?
1: Hmm. I mean, God, I want to say on this last tour, I just like walking around and looking at the architecture in different, mm-hmm. in different cities and taking photos. Um, I can't remember anything on this most recent run where I was like, Oh, finally I made it. Um, it's been a while. We didn't get to Barcelona, but we're going, mm-hmm. I think in the spring, mm-hmm. uh, 22. And then I always like to, I like to go inside that Gaudi church, which has been big, yeah, like, hundred years plus or something. Oh, I would love to see that. Yeah. So that when I first saw that back in the twenty ten, uh, the aughts, I think it was, I went in oh seven. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, mind blowing. So if you can fit stuff like that in, it's it's always inspirational, you know. And you take yeah. that on stage, uh, that that night usually, or the following day, or whenever, you know, just uh, it helps. It's inspirational, for sure. Yeah.
0: What What's the strangest thing uh, that is very American uh, that you happen to f- discover over in another country, like, I mean, a, a type of food or a, uh, I don't know, a chip or, you know, like, or something, you know, something that just is very American that you didn't think translated that you, is there anything you could think of like that? I don't, this question uh, just popped into my head, and I figured maybe you might have an example. The only
1: thing popping into my head is is seeing fast food joints, American fast food joints, in other uh, countries. But that's not inspirational or nice to see. <laughs> no. I'm trying to think of like, man, you know, when we, I want to say within the last few years, maybe before the pandemic, the craft beer thing. Okay. I've been like exploding more and more. And then seeing that type of type of stuff in certain cities in England was interesting to me. Uh, I'm not a craft beer person, but, I, you know, seeing like a Brooklyn brewery like over there was like, oh, right. That was interesting.
0: Um, that's a pretty good are... example, actually. Yeah, that's it's yeah. like, yeah, you don't you didn't think you wouldn't think they would be that receptive to, to certain things like that. Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of exploding. Around the world, yeah. globalization—it's all—it's we're we're embracing everything, right? I right. would hope. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see a little more embracing of other culture in this country, but we'll see. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, the younger kid—I I say the younger kids—being an old old fart now—really um, <laughs> do have a, a multicultural global desire really they like going everywhere you know they like traveling to different places they like you know getting something regional you know so they're 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 much more um i think with it than i could ever remember being at that that age hell i was having a i didn't get into alternative music until i was out of high school practically so it's like you know and that was in the late 80s it's Mm -hmm. like i was discovering james addiction and the replacements when i was graduating (laughs)
1: um <laughs> so it's like you wish you would have found it sooner like when you find that stuff you're like man like why didn't i find this sooner yeah i've never been cool <laughs> i've always i've always found everything after it was cool the
0: only time it aligned was grunge like i got in the i got into that specific frame of the alternative scene at that moment and that was it
1: yeah <laughs> so it. It's,
0: it's like i've never been cool enough to to be on the edge like my ex-wife went to this um, this um, famous uh, all ages da- uh, dance club called Medusa's here in Chicago. Like, and I didn't even know it existed until years after it, pa- you know, it closed. But it's mm-hmm. like a you know, Ministry would perform there. All these, they would just have all these people come in and perform, and it was like, the, and I literally had never heard of it, <laughs> so. Bummer. Oh, yeah. Boy, yeah.
1: Sometimes you're under your own little rock, you know, and yeah, and uh, mm. that's just the way it goes. And when you do find out about that thing or the you know, that music or whatever, it kind of almost triggers you in a, in a way that, like, oh, I missed out on this, and now I have to get extra into it and I have to yeah. really dig into it, you know, and yeah. that that's sometimes the way you find stuff. You know, and that's the way you're meant to find it, I guess. Uh, But yeah, Yeah,
0: I I like that. I I I definitely like the fact that I, you know, I can still discover things. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not. You know, you you're never too old to find out about something. So
1: true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was great when new stuff. If I can find something new that really turns me on, it's like a blessing. You know, because. You feel as you get older there's less and less of that but you discover that it's it's still there it's still yeah there. yeah well there's infinite there's
0: infinities
1: of stuff that i
0: have no idea about i i i realize i am uh um, uh in in not the worst meaning of the word but i realize how ignorant i am the older i get is that there are so many things i don't know you know <laughs> so which is uh probably rare most people probably think that they've got everything figured out as they get older and yeah, I know I'll never figure it all out. It's the opposite, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, recording the new album, getting getting back to music, uh, Sad and Beautiful World, was kind of like a, a different experience for you guys. You were had done a bunch of it before the shutdown, um, and then you found ways to kind of, you know, when you could, go in. Record here, record there, do this, do that, and it basically became like you almost had had one album before the shutdown, and so you guys were, you know, he was putting out different singles uh, the whole time. You guys were doing the the live shows, right? Um, what, what? How did that? How did that whole process work itself out?
1: Um, we made the record. Mostly at Flux Studios, which is in the East Village, and it's literally like a diagonal across from where uh, where Jesse lives um, on Avenue. Well, I won't say where. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we would be in and out of there. Yeah, I think we we were doing yeah we were doing all those live streams. Which were life-saving at the time, you know. It was, I started to leave my apartment after just not going anywhere for a while. We started to take these uh, live gigs, like on a weekly basis, mostly, and then sometimes we would take some time off. And so we would get into the studio and just, hey, come in. We're gonna we're gonna do two days at Flux, and uh, I don't keep track very well of what goes down. In the studio, I just, you know, I kind of just lose the track. Well, he likes to maybe cover, when it's a Jesse likes to cover about two, three songs a day. Like, if we can get two or, or three in a day, like the tape, then that's great. And let's build on it, you know, overdubs and, and whatnot. But if we can get the basics in a day. And so, yeah, all these little sessions that we were doing. By the time uh, he's like, yeah, I think we have a, a double album. I was like, really? <laughs> that is because yeah. uh, I, I, you know, I wasn't even sure how many we had recorded. I did know how many we we did record beforehand that that didn't make Sunset Kids, um, and I knew what what songs were were left over, and uh, were were put on this the newest record. Mm-hmm. But uh, by the time. All the others were finished. I mean, I didn't know because there's just so many songs. There's more songs than you know make the record. You know, as you know, yeah. yeah. People write and write and record and record, and then the best stuff you hope makes the record. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bit of a blur, Brett. To be honest, because you go in, and then you might not get back in there for another month, mm-hmm. and. Record some more songs or whatever or hey, we dug up this thing that we did a while back your drums are already done on it But we're gonna take it into the studio and rework it Uh, and that happens a lot too. Mm -hmm. Older stuff That's like has a newer approach or is rewritten and maybe chopped up a little bit with the help of you know pro tools or whatever Um, So songs come come out like that as well Yeah, yeah how does it typically? How,
0: how does how does your part come in? Does Jesse obviously will come in with a demo of some sort? I would imagine. Does it is it does it go through him and Derek first,
1: and then the band, or how does that work? Um. Well, if it's a co-write with him and Derek, you know they've been right. working on it, and and they'll bring it in. Or if it's just Jesse, he'll bring it in. And usually the way things happen for me, um, uh, one of two ways. Uh, the first way being. There are no drums. There's nothing. It's a it's a song idea that Jesse will bring it into rehearsal, and he's just gonna tape it on his phone. And he's like, "Let's just play it down, and whatever you feel like you hear, let's just hit it, you know, mm-hmm. like you would. You you want to get hit with that uh, initial inspiration. You don't want to be thinking too much. You don't want to put put anything in a box, and you don't want to restrict anything because you want something magical to happen uh, when it comes to any recording, really. Uh, So it's generally that. He'll bring it in and he'll tape it on his phone and then he goes home and he listens. And he's like, hey, I really like what you did here. Oh my God, it's literally like, we'll record these things at rehearsal and then he'll start texting out uh, the voice memos to everybody and it's like a ridiculous amount of texts that you start Mm -hmm. getting from, just starts going crazy. And he's like, I like this take or I like this take. And then, you know, so before the next rehearsal, Uh, there's a little bit of a talk and it's like, Hey, that vibe that happened on this such and such a run through, let's do that more, you know, or let's, let's follow that a little bit. Um, and, and then Derek too, Derek being, you know, one of the co-producers on the record. He's like, I like what you did on this. Let's develop that more. The other thing is, is that let's say there's already like a, like a programmed beat and that's a Derek thing because, uh, when they're writing, they like to usually write. Um, Derek likes to program stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just kind of developing a program thing and making it more human and putting my own thing in there, which just happens. You know, it's like if I'm going to play something that's a super static pattern, unless somebody's saying, like, play it exactly like that, uh, it's just going to develop the way I play. It's just going to start to right. like me. Uh, so yeah, that's generally how it happens. Uh, a lot of drummers will tell you it's like we kind of produce ourselves. You know, we're always listening and honing and doing this and doing this, and then uh, the outside voices are like, "Do more of that. Do more of this. You know, <laughs> or do less right. of that. And less of that." It's a it's a real collaboration, you know, um, which is nice in the in the Malin situation to be able to uh, to bring something to bring something to the table creatively, you know?
0: Yeah. Do you you find that being a drummer that, um, by way of you talking about the directions you get, do you find that uh, when other musicians probably have the least understanding of drums in terms of sound, in terms of being able to express what they're looking
1: for? Hmm. You know, uh, sometimes, yeah every everybody's different i feel like nowadays where everybody's making home recordings and demos and this and there's so much like knowledge on the internet about drum sounds and recording techniques a lot of people come in with a good amount of knowledge and they could tell you what they're hearing or what they want to hear um but it's it's been rare these days <clears throat> to, to bump into somebody that really doesn't know what they're talking about <laughs> what they're okay. talking about. It happens, sure, on like right. a random session or whatnot. And then that's when you're grateful that, you know, the producer's there or somebody else is there to kind of translate or just be the be the bridge between like the songwriter and the musician, you know, the session musician in that scenario. Um so yeah, it it's it runs the gamut of like I like to hear, you know, and they'll sing a beat and then, uh, or other people are just like, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to crush this mic and compress this thing and then ooh, I want a lot, of, I want to hear a lot of the room mics on this song or it it's like it's everywhere, you know, it's everywhere. Yeah. Do yeah.
0: I don't know why I kind of had it in my head that um, and maybe it's from uh, before modern technology that uh, like other, you know, musicians used to just kind of have like not as much of an understanding of how a drummer goes about doing what he does um you know like sometimes they i think they just it's you know uh would look for just like a human drum sampler you know from back in the days like you know just do this don't don't deviate you know or whatever because they don't understand but you know because it's rare for a, a drummer to uh co- become out you know um make his presence make their presence known outside of uh the other musicians ten you know people like john bonham or keith moon or jimmy chamberlain from the smashing pumpkins where it's like it's it's like you could really tell or neil pert with rush you know just you could really tell that there's there's something more happening than just
1: you know yeah yeah um those drummers were lucky, in you know. When it, it is different being in a band and and playing, uh, you know, supporting an artist, yeah. and being in the band. Although there's a bit of a mix in the in the Jesse world because the band has been the band for a while. Yeah, and yeah, there's a there's a trust that comes with that. Uh, that he could say, oh, I I I trust what you're gonna do, but yeah, a lot of it starts in that simple place of yeah. let me play a beat and let's let the song you know, do its thing and then uh, all the personal stuff and all the isms in my playing will will kind of yeah. come out but um, and it's different for everybody, I mean really I still have to dial it down, you know, in the Jesse Melon band, you know yeah. Cause I come from a different background than playing, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do, which is becoming more and more like Americana. Um, right, it's creeping over into there, and uh, yeah, I was listening to a lot of with prog and and grunge growing up, and a lot of jazz, and probably I'm always trying to play less when right. it comes to, to playing in the Jesse Mallon stuff. Um, But yeah, you know, hopefully things develop and yeah, it sounds personal. I hope it does. I mean, I I am playing pretty, pretty simple on, on some stuff on the record, but.
0: Well, that wasn't my point necessarily with you. My, uh, I was just saying that in general speaking that, you know, you'll have a lot of bands that it just sounds like, you know, the drummer could be anybody. You know, it, it's just like, it's just a beat, you know, it's a snare, or a hi-hat, a snare, or a high hand, maybe a crash, and, you know, maybe occasionally a ride, you know, and it's like, it might as well not be someone human behind it. Um, But with, with Jesse's music, um, and especially your drumming since you've been on with the uh, albums and stuff, I, you know, Jesse's music in general, for me, I all, I don't know how... For 20 years now, he's been able to come up with um, more and more music that I that I love. And it is so different from, you know, everything else. Uh, it's such a particular voice, but your drumming in particular, I've always admired because of that fact that there's not, there's not like, you know, some bands will have five songs that sound like the same five songs. And whereas you guys, you're, you're doing, every song sounds completely different from the last one. They all have their own personality. Every one of you kind of puts their own stamp stamp on it. Jesse, you know, is kind of like the constant in in terms of singing. Uh, depending on you know uh, the the style of the song, but um, you know that's what I like about the band in particular is that you guys all sound like you know you're just all you're doing something different all over the place, uh, and it's it's not the same thing every every song you know necessarily.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, like I said, it's a testament to him and, and trusting us and uh, wanting it to sound like not like it could be anybody. That's right. why he's he having the same people around, yeah. you know? Uh, and that changes too, when you start getting out there uh, and playing the songs uh, in front of people, they develop as well. Um, and songs develop differently when there are different people playing live than might have played on the record Mm -hmm. now it's there's so many different uh scenarios but it's always nice to be able to play on a record and then go out and play that material live because it keeps changing and it keeps growing Mm -hmm. you know you almost wish like oh i kind of wish i would have done that on the on going into the second chorus on the album but oh well (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, yeah you know?
0: that's, a, that, that's a good thing about about playing music is that it, even though the essential, unless you're Bob Dylan, uh, where you remake every song now, um, you, the song essentially stays the same, but the nuances change.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's important for us too, to be able to, like I said, get into the rehearsal room and play the stuff for a while before we go into the studio and record it. And then even then, maybe we don't get the song in a day and we move on and we come back to it a week, two weeks later on another right. session after listening and then maybe after another rehearsal and uh, it's different and it's in a better place. And uh, yeah, hopefully it comes out on that record. and I'm glad uh, you noticed. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, well, I
0: mean, it's just, it's you know, um... I keep worrying, like you know, a lot of my favorite artists. I I I can think of people like, uh, especially from the '90s, like artists like Smashing Pumpkins and Wilco, who I used to be um, insane about, like just true fan, you know, fanatic thing. And then they each got to a point where they made, they started making albums I didn't really care about necessarily, or not as much as i did the other stuff and i was like well i don't know how this happened and uh with jesse it's been 20 years now you know practically of of al- each album i i love probably the the only album i, I could ever critique a mm-hmm. bit is the one you can't find anywhere and that's the one he did on uh, billy joe's label the one with uh, uh in yeah. the gutter yeah uh which i just thought had too many um Cameos, I guess you could say. I mean, I felt it was a little overproduced, but other than that, I love those songs.
1: Record, I think. I think he calls it his LA.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and uh but I, I just think that it's a, it's got a little more sheen on it than he needs. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. but every other, it, it's not even. I don't like it. I just, it's probably if you're gonna pick one album out of all of them, I like. At the bottom, that would probably be it. Only because and all, and also because I can't seem to ever listen to it. I, my CD of it is in storage and it's not on
1: Spotify. So it's not. Yeah, I guess not. I guess there's. It's that. It's on that label. I guess they haven't figured it out on it Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a brief period with
0: uh, what was it, Adeline or something like that. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. Know.
1: Was, that was before before my. But time.
0: anyways, my point being is that you know I keep loving everything that you come In fact. I like the new, the new album. I love Sunset Kids, but I like the new album even more than I like Sunset Kids. And what's interesting is that there wasn't the same kind of uh, focus like there was with Sunset Kids where, you know, he went in with with um, oh my god, why am I blanking? Uh, Lucinda Death. and Tom Overby, uh, where they kind of were you know, them and, and Derek and you guys you know, kind of crafted an album uh, a bit. You know this one was a little more shot, but for me it feel, feels almost even more cohesive however that you know maybe to somebody else it wouldn't but for me it, it sounds like a a very cohesive album
1: well like like you said earlier and like we mentioned i mean we're it's the same band you know yeah whether, whether it's like from the lucinda and tom thing of like oh we're gonna do this more americana vibe or or not uh, oh, Jesse also wrote some songs with Rob, you know, on keys on this new record, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of cool piano-based, like, stuff that starts on piano or at the piano, sonically, that's, like, kind of different, I feel like, from mm-hmm. uh, some of the things he's recorded in the past, and, yeah, it's super refreshing, and, yeah, even though it comes from all these different stylistic places, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cohesive, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, let, let let me talk a little bit about your your past. You you mentioned um, being a fan of Prague and 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 jazz and stuff like that. What was what was it about? I mean, when did you get into music to begin with? What was were drums your first instrument? And when what were your early musical in terms of listening and and playing? Yeah, what was all that like?
1: Well, my first instrument was actually piano, and I, I started playing taking piano lessons when I was five years wow. old yeah started young there was just a piano in the house and uh both my i have a one sibling an older brother is just two and a half years older we both were taking piano lessons but he was the one who eventually quit and uh and i stuck with it uh and then i found the drums like you know i picked it as my instrument mm-hmm. when in the fourth grade you're like what what instrument do you want to play up until then i thought i wanted to play guitar (laughs) yeah Uh, but you couldn't play guitar in school (laughs) yeah so i I picked the drums and i thought it was cool you know i would would see the the marching bands and, and the drums were just such a cool sound um so yeah there were always kind of little toy drums around and 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 so i really started getting into the drums uh at that time and, and I started in school just playing snare drum uh, mm-hmm. until you know and the teachers are always like you know you can't get a drum set until you figure this out and, uh, I did get a drum set I think the summer going into the sixth grade I came home from uh, used to go away to summer camp and I came home one summer and there was a drum set in my room it wow. was... <laughs> um, but Popular music on the radio was like how I just kind of first started noticing music. Just what was on when I was sitting in the back seat of the car in the 80s, like in the early 80s. And, uh, and my dad had a few records, you know, LPs dubbed onto cassette for the car. Uh, and uh, Born in the USA was one of them. And I just, we listened to that just back and forth back and forth back and forth just constantly i knew every song on, on the usa and i didn't know that bruce springsteen had another record i didn't yeah. know like when you know when you're that young that these people have other records <laughs> it's just like yeah. oh that's born in the usa that's that's so cool it's it's its own thing and you know I, uh that was the record he had a fleetwood Mac record in the car uh, and uh my parents really like Neil Diamond, <laughs> uh, great songs. Uh, yeah,
0: in the end, looking back, like my memory of Neil Diamond as a kid is completely different as an adult because it's like, oh, there was some cool stuff that wasn't all spangly and, you know, yeah. America and all that, you know,
1: nonsense. Right. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. Uh, But then, like I said, I have, an, I have an older brother and he started bringing tapes home uh, when he, I guess, you know, as he got older, he started bringing tapes home, and he was bringing home uh, Metallica tapes, he was bringing home Motley Crue tapes, um, Van Halen stuff, which was always around. I really always remember hearing, because Van Halen was like on the radio. You're right, right. I remember hearing Jump on the radio, and then I remember when, when David Lee Roth went solo, I remember hearing Roth stuff on the radio. Um, so I was into like that music, like the eighties the uh, rock stuff and the metal stuff until grunge came along. Right. And, and then those records kind of flipped everybody out. And like like we were saying earlier, I, I was, you know, we got in, I got in, you know, when the door opened kind of like 1990, 91, when all that stuff was coming out. And, you know, we got, you know, when I say we, like me and my friends, you know, we. We got Nevermind. We got uh, Pearl Jam's first record, The Pumpkins' records. Uh, Blind Melon was like really a big record for me because these were records that I was hearing. Drummers, I was hearing more nuance in the in the drum in the drum department than you right. on, like let's say, like Doctor Feelgood by Motley Crue, which is like a grooving ass record. Tommy Lee's like. Such a grooving ass drummer, but you don't hear all these little ghost notes that you might hear on like Pearl Jam ten, right? Or uh, the first Blind Melon record, or you know Siamese Dream, where there's all this like stuff going on, and it really opened my ears up at that at that time. And this is before I got into jazz, but at that point I'm getting more into drumming and like really just getting digging into drums, and that's that's what kind of led me to to Prague and jazz because you're studying an instrument and and I was following it into every kind of musical style I could just because I wanted to know about the drums I wanted to learn about the drums so it was less about a genre thing and and more about oh if you want to kind of grow on this instrument you should check out this music and you should check that out and like Oh, the dude, up the the drummer up the street is, is sounding better. Like, what what are you doing? It's like, oh, I've gotten into jazz. (laughs) So, uh, oh, okay. So now I know you need to go get into jazz and I need to go study with this. Uh, lessons were a big part of it too. So, uh, you know, I, I was very fortunate. My, my folks were real supportive in that, uh, aspect where, you know, they got me drum lessons. I took one lesson, maybe two lessons with two different teachers. A week from, by the, you know, when I was ten until I left for for college, till I was eighteen, and then I went and studied music. I went and studied jazz uh, at the University of Miami. We're jumping. We're we're really flying through the, the timeline here, aren't we? No, that's cool. That's cool. Um, where where did you grow up? So I grew up in the suburbs of, <clears throat> excuse me, in New York City, uh, in the suburbs of the city in Rockland, Rockland okay Academy. I don't know. If you're in Chicago, right? So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've I have some East Coast uh, knowledge, but I've never actually been in New York. So. Okay. I mean, I have the knowledge that everybody does because New York is so prevalent. I know Long Island, I know Staten Island, Brooklyn. You know, I mean, I know the boroughs and all that stuff. And I. Right. You know, if you and you know, if you go, pretty much on the other side
1: of the bridge into Jersey, it's Hoboken. You know, so. You know. Yeah. So if if you were to cross into New Jersey and then go north into New York State uh, the 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 southernmost county on the western side of the Hudson in New York State is Rockland gotcha and it's only I'm in Astoria Queens now uh, it's it's like less than it's probably 25 miles up there it's not far yeah. so I was lucky we had New York City to come down to and see shows and go to concerts and whatnot. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I grew up in the suburbs and I had that suburban kind of experience growing up. Um, but yeah, everybody, uh, we came in, when I say we, the Schrager's came in uh, to New York City and we kind of never left <laughs> the area. You know, we came came on the boat in whenever we came and, uh, and we've been here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, why, why did you decide on University of Miami? Um, my grandmother was living in Florida at the time Great. <laughs> and I was like, you know, that, that'd be nice to, uh, it, it was, it, it was part of it. But my grandma was living in Florida and Miami was the first school I went to check out when I was in high school. I, I kind of saw it before I even started thinking about college. I didn't, wasn't, my head wasn't in school at all yeah into like going to college i didn't even know that you could go to music school but um my parents knew and they wanted to make sure <laughs> and that uh i got a college education and they were like you we should go drive down to the university of miami one day you know uh and we did and uh um, yeah and then it was one of the schools that I, that i auditioned at um when when it came time to to start looking into going to music schools and i had a really helpful high school uh band director who was real supportive she knew about miami she knew about the musicians that came out of there um and she recommended it so i did you know audition and get into like manhattan school of music and uh, other other schools like indiana university or uh, Ithaca, like, man. But Miami is just, you know, the combination of the weather, uh, the school is super cool. I actually got a scholarship to go there, uh, which, you know, when you don't have to pay for college, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah. To, it helps the decision making process, you know, it takes it another step further. Um, and the fact that, like, oh, and my grandmother lives an hour away and I can go. See her uh, every so often, and it was just a combination of all that stuff. I had such yeah. a good fun down there. Like, I really liked going to school there, and like from going from not even wanting to be in, uh, go to college to really digging it, and uh, so glad that I that I did do that, and I did get that education. You meet all these fantastic musicians, and uh, I, I have a network of people that I still you know talk to and play with. Um, right. It's interesting. The Jesse gig. Yeah, in a, such and such a roundabout way, I the Jesse gig, I wouldn't have gotten a call from him had I not met such and such. And before that, met such and such a person because of a University of Miami connection. You know, it goes yeah. back that far. So, yeah, yeah that's pretty it's wild. Experience than, than maybe going to school in the Northeast or in the city, you know, doing the legit, like, go to school in Manhattan and study jazz and it's different for sure because you get right into it Uh, maybe that's why I don't play jazz professionally now is because uh I, I I did go to school down there and it's we covered a lot more than just your typical you know recording and studio stuff and all the genres are much more kind of looked at equally Then I would say maybe just straight ahead like bebop would have been. Mm -hmm. I'd gone to Manhattan School of Music or something like that. Gotcha. Um, What
0: what were some of your actual like bands or were what you know your gigs or who you played with? I mean, uh, you know, what is what is your kind of uh, your resume for like um, for playing out live with other people or recording with other people with like if you could, just kind of give me an idea of some of the people you've
1: have worked with in the past. Oh wow! Uh, like professionally or before that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mostly professional. Uh, yeah. Um, well, maybe I can work backwards. Man, it's a it's a long list, but um. So just highlights, you know. You, you know, I play with I play with Jesse, and I'm also currently playing with uh, a really good friend of mine. His name's Gabe Dixon. He plays keyboards and sings. Uh, he's been a member of Tedesky Trucks Band for a couple of years now. Okay. Uh, I haven't yet recorded any music with Gabe, although we've recorded some live things. Uh, so he comes from that world. I've been playing lately with uh, a guitar player, singer named Jamie McLean. He's based here in New York City. Uh, and I would say that's more bluesy, New Orleans-influenced kind of stuff. Um the gig I was doing before uh, I started to play with Jesse again in 2013, I was playing with a band called Scissor Sisters. Uh, you oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that band hasn't played a show and kind of went on like a unofficial hiatus slash it's probably going to never happen again kind of move like at the yeah. end of 12. Nobody really knew, but that's the way, that's the way it's gone. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that... That was probably my first big touring and recording experience outside of smaller bands that were kind of up and coming, or maybe almost got signed and maybe didn't. Yeah. I I was a band guy before I became this drummer for hire, for lack of a better term, or session guy, I'll say. I always wanted to be in a band for that reason of just like that collaborative, creative spirit and less of a paint-by-numbers kind of musician, you know? So it's nice to still be able to, like I said, feel that band vibe uh, in a in a hired situation. Uh, God, I made a record with uh, Harley Ray Jepsen that never came out, <laughs> this, uh, I don't, you remember her? So, yeah. Yeah, all sorts of different stuff, it was like an indie, indie pop record that she just shelved and did a whole completely different record and put something out else out yeah i'm trying to remember there's all these different there's a lot of independent sections and um singer-songwriter stuff that uh that comes in but it's a lot a lot of it's indie i i'm actually in the midst of like making a new website and getting this yeah. stuff up there uh, and making a, a playlist of just every song. I mean, you know, I've been looking around to find out what I've played on that's on streaming. Pretty much, it's all on the streaming. So, I'm thinking yeah. about doing like a from past to present, just every track. It'll be up there soon. <laughs> Maybe I got not time this is up, but uh, yeah, yeah,
0: that'd be cool. Well, um, we'll. I'll still have uh, if you've got any, uh, you know, social media stuff. I'll still post yeah. it for people to keep it for, uh, keep an eye on. Um, all right. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but, uh, what, what outside of music kind of, uh, ignites, uh, any passions in you? Do you have any, any hobbies or anything like that?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I do like photography. I've been, I've been getting more into, to just taking, taking photos that, um, turn me on and that's pretty inspirational. Um, I'm a, I'm a, Reader, I like reading books yeah. <laughs> lately. I, I, I skipped it all when I was growing up because I was, my head was stuck in, in a, in a, a drum book, you know, when I was playing practicing, but uh, a lot of my hobbies just center around, in around creativity. Like now that I'm kind of off the road, I'm, I want to sit at the piano more and practice piano. I want to pick up the guitar more and, and play guitar and, get better at playing these other instruments um, and you know recording some stuff of my own you know using you know just playing all sorts of different stuff which I have done in the past um, I do have a recording project but it's been on the shelf for for quite a while so I'm hoping to get back to that you could call that a hobby Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <my laughs> own stuff right it's like yeah. I do my own stuff for fun and then I you know I do everyone else's stuff to make a living Right, right. But,
0: uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you you don't have to? Do you make your, all your money. Well, all, not all. I know, I'm not saying you're wealthy beyond means. I'm saying, <laughs> but you earn your living as a musician, right? You don't have to have like a day gig.
1: Uh, fortunately, I haven't had a day gig uh, since um, you know I, a few years after I graduated college I was I was doing a lot of private teaching okay. I tried tried to do musical stuff I've had two temp jobs in my life and they lasted like a week each because I was like I can't do this <laughs> you know like, <laughs> like back, back in the day I mean back in the days you know data entry was like a paid gig you know yeah um, but it's all been centered around music luckily and um you know knock on wood I, I don't yeah have quote-unquote day gig not that there's anything wrong with it um no but it's it's
0: kind of it is it's not um necessarily uh easy just to make your your living as a musician so yeah a lot of people I know do I mean Jesse talked about when D-Generation broke up he was moving
1: moving people's furniture you know it's like yeah (laughs) yeah you do what you do uh, to get yeah. by and make the next thing and, and still be be creative. Uh, yeah. So not yet. I haven't become a mover. I haven't started. <laughs> it's, you know, uh, as you get older, it's a little difficult to end up
0: becoming a mover.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not sure you know, what I would what I would do if music wasn't a possibility. Um, yeah. I haven't thought about it i don't let i don't let my mind go there you know no 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 hey yeah, i yeah. i wouldn't either if i if i if i could
0: if i could earn earn my living doing the things i i, I like doing rather than you know doing the things i have to do i i wouldn't right. be thinking about doing the things i don't want to do either <laughs> yeah,
1: so, exactly. yeah 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 um so yeah fortunately still going still out
0: that's here. good that's good well it, it's it's a good thing to be able to do what you love um all right, one final question. Sure, and and because I asked this question last week to Steve Conte, uh, <laughs> and he lives in the Bronx and apparently lives near nothing edible, uh, but you're living in Queens, so I know that there's good food in Queens. What are your go to spots and you know, like what are they and what are what are the dishes you get if you uh, go I,
1: anything? I just got one of my go-to me i've been in this neighborhood of astoria now for i'm in my fifth year uh yeah I've, I've lived in manhattan before i've lived in hoboken before uh but over here there's so much um my spot it's a melting pot it, it's really, a melting is. Pot. Yeah. it really is my spot is the falafel truck like two blocks up and three blocks over like that's my thing <laughs> yeah and i get the same thing i get the falafel platter i don't i don't eat i haven't eaten meat in quite a while so uh oh you and jesse are are, are
0: good on that it's a whole, it how much how much of the band is, is uh meat free uh just just jesse and i okay
1: all right well thank god you guys have each other <laughs> it, <laughs> helps. it helps when the guy you're out on the road playing with is is wants to uh you know, eat kind of along the lines that you do and, and it makes it easier. But I will say that, uh, the other guys in, in the van jump on board, you know, and they're, they're, they're cool with it. It's like, yeah, Oh, I'm, I'm happy to eat this way uh, yeah. when we're all together, you know, it's fine. But my falafel truck guy, uh, the veggie, uh, Asian spot over here, which just makes like, you know, mock mock meals of, of, of meat that I, that I miss. I still get that, um, but I'm a big home home chef, especially okay. after the last, uh, you know, after the pandemic. Yeah, I like I like doing a lot of home cooking, and I but I keep things pretty simple. I eat yeah. pretty simple well nowadays. So, but yeah, hmm. I'll say the it's called the King of Falafel. It's right up it's right up the street. Okay. They have a brick and mortar spot, but the truck is is over here. Uh, yeah. And okay, I can't forget. Bagels are like huge for me. I'm a gigantic bagel. Oh, fan. there you go. Uh, I bring these bagels. There's a place called the Story of Bagels. And uh, I bring them to my friends in other states when I go see them. Like, I went to Atlanta to see the Stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was lucky. I got home from Europe, and a few days later, they were playing in Atlanta. And I was like, I don't want to miss this last run. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I brought a dozen. New York Queens bagels to my friend in, in Atlanta. They were super psyched, but that's always like pretty much the first thing I'm going to eat when I come back to the States to yeah. my is, is to get a bagel. Yeah. So are you, are you vegetarian or vegan? Uh, I'm a full, full on plant-based vegan nowadays. Okay. So no, no schmear. My schmear will be, uh, <laughs> it will be of the tofu. Uh, <laughs> okay. Ooh, schmear it won't be uh, uh, the old school cream cheese. Do they have that at, at the bagel place, or do you make you have your own? Oh, they do. They do. Okay. Uh, the the spot that I go to, they have a a a tofu spread, and then a tofu with scallions spread. There's another place that has a bunch of different flavors, but the more they're popping up more and more. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, nowadays it's like there's a lot of you know there's a lot of uh, uh, cuisines, like Indian is very, you know, uh, vegetarian or vegan friendly in a lot of, a lot of cases. Um, there's a, but, you know, we're living in an era now where it's far more popular or well-known where options are are more plentiful than when in the 80s used to go to a place and say, well, I, I'm a vegetarian. Well, here's a salad.
1: Uh, I can imagine, yeah, I couldn't imagine how tough it was. Uh, yeah. Back back in the 80s and even just even 10 years ago yeah five years ago yeah um, to try and eat plant-based fully uh but yeah it's it's much easier nowadays yeah my bagel place luckily has uh but if not you know i go and i buy the i buy the spread at the store and i bring the bagels home you know yeah 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 Uh, whatever no big deal
0: what what what, uh, what what path were you on that obviously you went from you probably ate meat at some point in your time. Did you go from that to vegetarian to vegan? I did.
1: I did. I um, did. I had a girlfriend for for many, many years and she was a vegetarian. We could never share meals if I got a meat meal, you know, yeah. at, at a restaurant. Uh, so I started eating more vegetarian while we were together. Um, Jesse was actually a, an influence as well. On eating vegetarian and just quitting meat so yeah, I, it I kind of stopped eating beef and pork first and then uh, everything else just kind of filtered out and yeah. and, and stopped uh, you know I, I eventually would just get rid of this get rid of that get rid of that and then the final thing the last thing I ate that was uh, not vegan was pizza I had you know, pizza used to be my favorite food. It probably still is my favorite food, and and I, I can taste it. Like I can go and have a, a slice of Joe's pizza, which is my favorite spot in the village. I can. Have I it right that, is that is that Jesse's favorite too? Because that sounds very familiar. I think I've had this
0: conversation with him.
1: It, yeah, it, it it's it's tough when 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 a pie of Joe's shows up backstage after your gig and you can't eat it, or you you know yeah. I won't eat it. Uh, but i have it it's stored away up in my brain literally i can have a pie like like that i just had a pie as we were speaking yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, but yeah that was the last non-plant-based meal uh that i ate i had a slice of joe's i had it on my 40th birthday i'll be 44 in april it's been it's been a bit a bit of time since, since yeah yeah
0: yeah. So it was it was more the health decision than any
1: anything else. You know, it started it started with health, and then it expanded from there. Um, I I used to have really high cholesterol. It kind of runs in my family. Oh, okay. And, and back then, the doctors were like, "You should cut out red meat." So okay, let me cut out red meat. Uh, but then you find out that like it, the other stuff kind of still affects it still affects cholesterol. So it started there, but when I became more aware of, uh, factory farming and then, mm-hmm. you know, the environmental toll of, of raising animals for food, I became an all encompassing vegan. And, uh, yeah. just, just for animal rights and for the sake of the environment and sustainability, because You know, we we got one planet, and uh, we can't keep uh, growing animals for food. It's not; it's just not gonna work. I don't want to start start. I mean, we're we're on a music podcast. No, no,
0: no. I I I like I definitely like going into different areas. I was just gonna ask what what is your thoughts on lab grown meat? That's a new thing.
1: Uh, Yeah, um, I would say if you have a craving for meat and you could get it in a lab rather than killing an innocent animal for it, I say go for it. You know, yeah. I have Beyond Burgers in my fridge. Uh, yeah, I own Beyond stock. I think it's a good, a good investment. I I believe in in that stuff as far as uh, changing the way we uh, how we get our food. You know, it really it's something that you don't think about a lot until you start to eat this way. You don't start to think about where everything on your plate came from, uh, and once I did, uh, that's that's. What sort of influences where and how you eat? Yeah. Um, so yeah, sure. Go go get a lab grown steak instead of uh, you know slitting the animal's throat to go get it. <laughs> Why not? You know. Yeah,
0: I'm 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 intrigued. Um, i, I, I'm, I It's a bit bizarre that we're. At, it's amazing what we can do and what we can't seem to do for the world. Uh, we. I never thought growing, you know meat in a lab was going to be a thing. Uh, I don't know how anyone thought that could be a thing, uh, but I'm definitely interested in yeah. seeing what it's like.
1: <laughs> um, really, I mean, certain things, the, 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 the less and the more time that goes by, you know, I can't remember, I can't tell you, I can tell you the last steak I had, I know where I had it, but, uh, <laughs> but it's been so long, uh, to where uh yeah i don't i don't know how i would feel with a with a lab grown steak in front of me if i would even want it at this point
0: right right well it it makes sense if you're if hey you know i give you credit if you're on that path here you know that that's good for you i i i have uh i have my issues with with food that i haven't uh i i feel like i'm gonna eventually point myself you know in a in paint myself into a corner where I'm going to have to change things, or else uh, something's going to happen. Uh, but I'm trying to to avoid doing that. Um, so it's it's something it's something uh, you know. I respect my my son has um, over the years. He he threw us for a curve as he was growing up because he became vegetarian in high school for a brief period of time. We're like, we just went to the store. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I bet. I know. I know. Right? <laughs> when you have kids, it's like, wait a minute. I got to
0: cook for a vegetarian kid now. How am I gonna do this, right? Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. No, it's just. It, it was just like you know, but it's. It, I get it. I, I get the need for it. You know. I. I res- I respect it a hell of a lot more than I used to. Quite honestly, because the, the food world is is such an open, place, and you realize how many cultures. You know, do already have a mostly, you know, meat free uh, lifestyle. Um, so, you know, it's not like unheard of. It's unheard of for Americans <laughs> for the most part. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we live off the cow here, don't we? I mean, the yeah. dairy and the beef here are, and the chicken. Uh, yeah. Right? I mean, people keep, people can't imagine life without it. But, uh, you yeah. know. Uh, it's it's possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's much simpler, and uh, yeah, it feels. I just feel better. eating yeah. eating the way I do. You yeah. know, it's taken a while to get here. It, it's,
0: it's 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 a whole thing. It's a major lifestyle change. So yeah, I get it.
1: It is. It, it becomes less about diet and more about lifestyle, and that's that's when it becomes easy. Yeah, because it's not. I'm not leaving this thing off my plate just because I don't like the way it tastes or I won't eat it. It's like, Oh, there's all these other things that affect that decision, um, that make it so easy to just not eat certain food and want other things, you know? So yeah, it's, wow. That's a, that's a can of worms. We can.
0: No, no. I, Hey, I, I I like, I like when things go off on a different tangent. Um, well, one one final question, and then I'll let you go. Um, you don't you don't have you guys don't uh, you have some tour dates next year for the spring,
1: right? Uh, overseas. Uh, we have some stuff. I I don't think it's been uh, announced or put on sale yet, but we are supposed oh. to hit parts of Europe that we haven't uh okay. hit yet. Uh. Jesse and Derek will be on Brian Fallon's tour. Unfortunately, that's not a full band. Okay. Ron. Uh, this year, though, we do have a, a holiday show coming up at, at right. Ballroom, which is a benefit show as well. For Holly. Uh, for yeah. yeah Hallie um, Hallie. Hallie. We're going to play in Woodstock next weekend at the Colony, which is a really cool spot up there. Um, but, yeah, that's it for for um, the Jesse stuff this year. Next year, there are some things being planned for the West Coast. Um, it's so early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as, yeah, the Jesse dates go. Um, so yeah, Jesse and Derek will be starting to do a lot of a, a duo duo stuff uh, when they go out with Brian and I'll be moving over to play with my friend Gabe who I, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, a little bit next summer, but I don't know. Yeah, we're it, things are are going to pop up on the on the tour page very shortly. Gotcha. It's just not okay. just yet. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: No, not a problem. Well, you know, Andy, I appreciate you taking the time today. Um, you know, we'll have all the links up. We'll have you know links up for Jesse as well, um, so everybody can keep an eye on you know when when the tour is happening. Um, and uh, look forward to seeing your website get updated and and seeing you out on the road.
1: Me too. Yeah, we we should definitely hopefully be making it to Chicago as well. That area. Awesome. I know.
0: Yeah, I, I know he always loves playing in Chicago. So, um, yeah. well, well, thank you very much again for your time, Randy. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Okay.
1: My pleasure, Brett. Yeah, you too. All right.
0: Take care. Take. All right. Bye.